Is this the first one? We don't know yet. It might be. What are you going to talk about? You know what? Let's make it the first one because the first question is, why are we calling this podcast Calvary Life? So why another podcast? You know, that's the question. I mean, that's the real question. I see podcasts everywhere. And I guess it's not because we just want to have a another outlet or we have a lot of spare time on our hands. So, Charles, what do you think? Why another podcast? Why do we need something called Calvary Life? Well, I, for me, I think it's a great way that we can have a discussion with the church that takes a little bit um, longer than what we can give in a two-minute span on Sunday morning or even on a Sunday night when we're trying to have more family things. It's still not where we can really develop a subject. Um, I know I've been sitting in an elders meeting before, and you've you just kind of gone off for five or ten minutes, and we get through, and all the guys look at each other and go, man, the whole church needs to hear that. So it's nothing special, but it's just a time where we can have something to say that's a little bit more but just gives – Maybe gives people the idea behind the scenes what's going on while we're thinking what we're thinking. Yeah, that's a good point too because I think sometimes in sermons that I wish this could be a little bit more like a conversation because you know this is just this is just a straight monologue. You got to listen for the twenty minutes that I preach or however long I go, yeah. <laughs> and you just hear. But you really wish you could have some conversation. And also, some of the best, maybe some of the best. I don't know, dialogue happens after the sermon or in the lead up to. And so there's just so much more, like you said, so much more to talk about. And I bet there's things that we, that the staff understands and gets where you're coming from, even in messages where the normal church person might not, because they're not in some of those conversations. Yeah, yeah. where'd that come from? Or what'd you mean by that? That sort of thing. And and then just the idea of calling this Calvary life, um, how do we function as a people? You know, how do we do these things that we say we believe and what does that really look like played out because we're trying so hard consciously now so hard to not just be a preaching center or a worship center we're not just a, a program that people come to we're not just trying to put on for lack of a better term or expression a good show we mm-hmm. really are trying to be a people a family we're trying to live together so what does it mean to live together and then sometimes you got to work out some of this stuff in, in tough ways so that's how we landed on Calvary Life. Now, if we make a mistake and call it something else along the way, then just roll with us because we watch other podcasts too. And so <laughs> I may call it somebody else's podcast. But for now, it's Calvary Life, how we do life together. So pass the word, get people listening. And again, the focus the focus is really for our people. What you right, say, I, mean, I would that, say, yeah. When we're thinking of this, when we're talking, we're really talking to Calvary folks. doesn't mean this is not for whomever wants to listen. If this is pertinent to you, then, then super. Yeah, and, and I say one other thing about that is, you know, you and I are not the the youngest of guys anymore, and uh, but podcasts have really become something that I have learned to use just to further my knowledge on subjects very quickly. It's such a a good medium that um, can take twenty thirty minutes, and you can really get an idea about a subject that you might not, or yeah. you know, you're reading a whole book on something. It's just a good way to, I guess, get some words out there that that people need to hear. Yeah, so this will necessarily be broad. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about things we're reading, talk about things in. In culture, things that are affecting the church, questions and feedback that come to us. And so, um, again, our, our aim will be to help you, to yeah. just try to be encouraging. So if you've got some feedback, some thoughts, some questions, shoot them our way, and we'll, we'll, try, to, we'll try to jump on them. Yeah. So this episode, i got three questions for you. All right. Shoot. All right. So um, the first question is something that we have been uh, really, I guess, talking about a lot lately, and it's a hot, bro- hot and 
hot button phrase, if I can say that, um, basically a training center uh, versus, you know, maybe I think we would say at Calvary that we have been more of a teaching center. We've been really heavy on teaching. Uh, you're a good teacher, and so we, we kind of follow your lead with that. But but the real big word now is for a church to be a training center. And I really see your passion in that right now of wanting to us to pick that up and, and have pastors and teachers that we can train for, for the next however long. So just talk about that. What do you what do you see about us maybe moving to being more of a training center? Man, I will say for for all of my ministry life, one of the biggest challenges, if not not the biggest challenge is where do you find where do you find quality people? Where do you find quality staff? You know, churches spend a lot of time and effort and energy searching, and you know, then when you when you narrow down a list of candidates, you've gone through so many resumes, you have so many conversations, you narrow them down. Then you're hoping that they're going to fit. You're hoping that they're going to gel with the community, the philosophy of the church, with the staff. That they're going to love the people, all those things. And sometimes it can be hit or miss. And even when you even when you get a hit on those things, they're still in the back of your mind. Every conversation I've ever had with another pastor where I'm hiring somebody or we're about to hire someone from their staff, you have this guilt that what's benefiting us is hurting them. Yeah. And you just have to hope and pray that God's working all this out and he's going to fill the gaps for them and bless your church at the same time. And I thought part of this just goes to the question you ask. What if we could become that sort of church where, one, God is so working here, people are growing and developing here, that we're raising up our own leaders from within. So you've got people from within that they agree, this is what church is supposed to be about. They have the same philosophy of ministry. They have the same you know, ecclesiology. This is how a church ought to be laid out, how it ought to be led, how it ought to function. Um, they, they believe theologically in alignment with you, and so you can develop them within. And you, you develop your own leaders, and you're training them intentionally to lead, but also you go beyond having to import people. You know, this is something we learned when we were at that Nine Marks weekend. Or what if we could be one of those churches that ultimately now is an exporter of people? That we can be saying, look, we're training people up here intentionally, and they're going to be ready to serve as church planters or missionaries or uh, elders, co-pastors, whatever it may be. That they're getting trained up, they're 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 being made ready, they're being given opportunities, and. And we're ready to send them out. So that's that's where we're moving towards. Can we become that sort of training center? You know, you didn't ask this, but it, it has ripple effects down the line. Like, I was having this conversation just with somebody yesterday. I would say, in general, most of our people probably would say, or at least would have said, bigger is always better. Mm-hmm. So the more people we can get here, the better. So that means we got to go to two services and then three services and all those kind of things. And what if bigger is not always better? Yeah. What if what if better is better? And we're training up people, and we're sending them out. And what if we're blessing other churches in our community? What if we're seeing some healthy churches restarted, replanted, some new ones planted, um, new people being sent out? So that's our aim. So when you hear us talking about that in the future, that that's what we want. We want to be training people up, not just not just drawing people into the program, but training them up. And so that every every role that needs to be filled, every job that needs to be taken. We can do it. We can build up our own people here, and yeah. we can share them. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of the the outlier in that, that that's kind of been my story anyway, that I grew up here 
have a lot of my ministry experience here at Calvary anyway, but it is something that people, when even when they hear me say that, it's kind of weird. You know, that's not the norm for any pastor to say that he lives in the same city that he grew up in. But how much better does a person understand the culture of the church if they grew up in it, you know, if it's a good good culture, you know? Yeah, and you and want to replicate that culture, you yeah. know, instead of just having this constant mixed DNA of all these different moving parts. You know, you've seen it yourself through the years. You bring somebody into a new place, and it's it's different than where they were. The church culture is different. The community is different. The people are different. And you don't really know how that's going to jail. But it goes deeper than that. It, it, it really goes to how do you see church? What do you think church ought to be? Yeah. And and can we can we develop those people ourselves? I think we can. I think that's I think that's healthy. And if you're again, if you're doing it for the right reasons, because man, I want to be in that kind of church. I've learned so much there. And another thing too, uh, we're getting ready to start this program, you know, with um, which our folks don't know what we'll be talking about, but we're getting ready to start this intentional um, interning program that's just we're calling it a pastoral residency, where we bring uh, someone in who's training for ministry, called to ministry, and then they'll serve with us for a period of time with assignments and accountability and feedback and support, and then when that time's over, they're much more prepared to go and serve or to stay and serve, whatever yeah. whatever God would do in that situation. But it just reminds me of the need that churches like ours need to – we need to step up. We need to step to the front of the training and not just assume that seminaries can handle all that. I mean, you went to seminary. I went to seminary. I'm, I'm grateful for it. It laid a good foundation. I learned a lot of things there. But you don't learn ministry without doing ministry. You don't learn church without being in it and serving in it. And yeah. so – Maybe taking the taking the lead role in training, I think, is critical for us. Yeah, maybe we can keep them from doing some of those stupid mistakes yeah. that we made. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when you go to those early churches and you're, uh, you're, you know, you're in it in the fire, so to speak. It'd be good to have have somebody behind you as you're learning those things too. For sure, and we're uniquely positioned because we've got people that have done those things, different levels of experience. We've got good elder crew now. I mean, there's this is a good this is a good environment to learn. I think this is really going to take wings. Yeah, and I think it'll be helpful for us too. It's always good to have youth and have the the you know the the motivation to do something new and and try and and really work towards training. I really think, and I think I think this can be long term for us, even towards our people. You know, as we even think about our people being more trainers, we want to make it more than just us. You know, we we should all as Christians be looking at at what we do and trying to bring somebody alongside of us. It should be a part of our discipleship. Oh, yeah. And so maybe that that's just a part of it too. Is just to make this more normal. Yeah, and we're starting something new um, in the fall where I'll be leading a pastor pre- – well, actually a preaching-teaching cohort. So if someone someone says, help me learn how to teach, help me I, – I feel like um, I just want to be better prepped, or maybe God might use me in a church plant somewhere, or I, I just would like to be able to fill in on a Sunday night sometime, or teach on a Wednesday night, or teach an open class. And so we're going to start a cohort for those who just want to be developed and have, again, some structure around them, some training, some feedback – some opportunities given just to develop more, just just constantly develop more. You know, we heard this a lot in discipleship as we were being trained in discipleship years ago. You're trying to trying to not only reproduce yourself but even replace yourself. We just don't really do that much, right. you know. But that's what we're really trying to do. We're really trying to grow people up so that any of us can be replaced and any of us anybody could do the things that we're doing. So yeah. it's kind of a thought. All right. All right. Here's another one. Here's another question. This I actually got this question last week as I did a, a new member interview. Someone asked me, coming from a smaller church setting, and they're in Calvary, a larger church, and they said, "What? How do you expect 
a new person to get plugged in and connected at Calvary when we have, you know, five, six hundred people here on a Sunday morning? How do you expect people to get connected? Okay, so here's my limitation. I will take a, a direct question and answer it indirectly or too broadly. But <laughs> let me let me give what the answer is not before I give what the answer is. In the past, we probably would have answered that question with something simple like get into a small group. If you get into a small group, you can give whatever title you want. We just simply call them small groups or life groups, Sunday school, et cetera. You get into that group. Now you've got community. These are people that you're going to know. These are going to be your people. These are your 2 a.m. phone call, my car's in the ditch people. Right. Okay. Now that's true. We haven't dis- dispensed with all of that, but – what I would say now is that's part of your community, but that's a means to an end of a larger community. So what I would say to do is do all that you can, be as proactive as you can to get connected with as many people as you can. And some of that's just simple. One, be in worship together. That's your community. I know it's a large one. If you've got five, 600 people sitting in there, yeah, how am I going to get connected with them? But be engaged as you can. Sit in different places so you, so you meet different people along the way. One of the first things that you can do to get a sampling of all of our community or a, a you know sample size is like a microcosm of it all. Be in an open class, so you're not just with people your own age, own stage of life. Start in an open class. Start meeting some different people, but then take advantage of the smaller gatherings too. Wednesday night Bible studies. Um, look for opportunities where you can serve, and particularly coming up, we're doing the monthly now, but coming up in the fall when we go to every Sunday night. Here's our family service. We're really praying for one another, engaging one another. You want to get to know people. And I'm not making a, a value judgment between those who come on Sunday versus those who come Sunday and Sunday nights. But that does tend to be more the core of the core. Mm-hmm. So, so be involved with them. But I think if you'll just make an intentional effort to think of this whole community, not just a part of it, all of this as your community, and then just try to get to know them and be receptive to them. You know, Sometimes it's just as simple as, Saying yes to an invitation, even though you're busy. Um, going out with some people on a Sunday afternoon, even though you've got kids in tow and it's kind of hard. Just putting yourself out there and and trying to be engaged. And then then it will be worth it. And I think over time you you begin to see the community doesn't feel quite so quite so large. But I get I get that you're not ever, ever gonna know all of them. Yeah. You know, I, it's hard for me to come up with every name as I'm standing at the door sometimes. And I'm, I'm racking my brain and my mental Rolodex is flipping more and more slowly as I'm trying to make sure I know everybody. But um, I guess the answer is is do the best that you can with that and don't limit yourself to just one pocket of it. Yeah. Not one pocket of people, but try to engage wherever you can. And there's just there's opportunities to do so. Come and serve senior adults when we have a luncheon, volunteer in the preschool. Um, Come hang out with the students. You know, there's just different things that you can do that get you connected across the board. Yeah, and I was talking to this family specific, specifically. They, they've they worked with students in the past. You know, That's just a, a great way, once again, if you start serving in an area, you're going to get to know those leaders really well. And so that's just another option of a, a service option, a small group option, an open class option. Just all those things together, I think, give us a chance to get to know people more than just that small group. I think that's something we need to – continue to work towards us and help people see the importance of all those things together. Yeah, and all those are avenues to community. Like, for instance, we got a crew that's right now while we're recording this, they're in Vermont. So here's a multi-generational team of people, maybe some people you barely knew, just knew their name, maybe knew a little bit, maybe didn't know at all. After a week of serving together side by side, you're going to know them pretty well. Yeah. And every opportunity where I serve, where I minister, 
when we go out to the harbor on a Saturday, go. Go serve alongside those people. Now you've got a new set of community. I mean, I when I think of my personal community in the church, I can think of so many different pockets and groups of people just just because I'm around them. Just mm-hmm. get around them. Be be around them. Be engaged. Yeah. All right. And then our last question, actually, you, you kind of mentioned it, but more specifically is um, why are we looking to start a Sunday night service that's every week starting in September? This has – I'm not sure I can give the – all the answers in order of value, because there, there are a lot of answers here. There are a lot of benefits, I mm-hmm. think. So I'm just kind of thinking off the cuff some some real benefits. Um, one, I think it really adds value to our Sundays as a whole. It, it adds value to our emphasis that this really is – this is the Lord's day. Yeah. Let's honor the Lord on this day. Um, we're busy enough. We work plenty. It's worth the time to set aside time to really think on the Lord and and let this day be about Him for our whole family's sake. Um, another real value for us is on those Sundays when we when we come back together, it gives us an opportunity to to do some things we can't do in just one service a week. Um, again, we have Wednesday night Bible study, but even on Wednesday nights we're pretty divided. We're spread out. Kids are in one area, and students are in another area, and preschoolers are in another area, and there are D groups happening, some small groups meeting, and so it's just it's a busy night, but it's not it's not a collective night. Yeah. On those Sunday nights, now we can get together and really talk about church life things. How do how do we really pray for one another? What needs do we have? What needs are personal? What needs are collective among us all? Um, how can we pray for those things together? Um, things we found that we want to do more, they just fall through the cracks. We want to hear from a missionary in the mission field or someone that we're supporting. Or, for instance, we've got a couple teams coming back, and we'll be hearing from them on Sunday night services. What are we doing out there? What's happening out there? What's God doing? It gives us a chance to do that um, together a little bit more. Another benefit is it gives the opportunity, the very thing we're trying to do, training up people, now we're giving new opportunities for people to preach and teach that people in our congregation haven't heard. And, and at first, people might be a little resistant to that. Oh, you know, we want to hear the regular guy. We want to hear the regular team or the regular staff. But if our people will grow in that and their encouragement, support of it, be infinitely valuable. You know, I was talking to someone the other day about preaching and teaching, and I said, none of us are good at this until you have the opportunity to start doing it. Right. You know, this is not something that you're just going to feel, man, I, I got this. I've never done it before, but I, I've got it. I can handle it. No, we, they need opportunities. And if we're going to be serious about encouraging, training, and sending people out, that's going to be a real part of it. And then also on these Sunday nights, we intentionally are trying to make this a family service. And when I say family, I'm not talking about just you know your personal family, your nuclear family. I'm talking about the whole church family. So we want senior adults to be there. We want little ones to be there. We want kids to be there. So we set the service up earlier than mm-hmm. old Sunday night services in the past. So it's at 5 o'clock, hoping that it'll be more daylight time and, and more people can come and drive. Um, but we're also setting it up earlier for our younger families. So they can come, and they can bring their little ones with them in there, and then they still have time to make dinner or, or finish up homework or get things ready for school the next day or get them to bed on time, that sort of thing, because we just want them all in there because we think there's some real value of the whole church family coming together in that one place. And then uh, another benefit to me, and I think I may have said this kind of at the beginning, but there's so much more we want to be teaching and seeing. If you're teaching a, a New Testament letter, like we're going through Paul's letter to Timothy, there's so many principles that are in that that have just rich text in the Old Testament. 
you know, things that we might find in the Psalms or Proverbs or things we f- might find in the Judges. Or I mean, there's just so many different things that we want to bring to bear that can can really encourage us. And so I just think the value is going to be great. And I think back to that other question about finding community, if, if I were telling people, okay, one thing to do for sure, I would say come on Sunday nights. Yeah. You want to feel that connection to the whole church family? Sunday night, that, that's the spot right there. Um, yeah. That's the spot where we're together and it's just – it's the noise of children, and it's the it's the presence of older saints and our, our church leaders, and and that sort of thing. It's it's the whole package together in that Sunday night. So I think it's going to be I think it's going to be rich, really. Yeah. I think we're also excited about being in the sanctuary on Sunday nights, just because of you know we all we all know that the fellowship center fits us, and so we have to be there for Sunday mornings. We can't all fit in the sanctuary, but on Sunday mornings, but to be back there Sunday nights so we can sing, and that room is is built to sing in. Yeah. I think everybody's looking forward to singing the hymns and just just uh, just having a good time together of a family service. I think is really the point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think this is an aside to that, but you know, some people might wonder sometimes. Well, why are we in that? building versus that building and that's a question we always get with newcomers and everything and it's really not when it, when we get a chance to answer it we always answer it but for those who don't know or just wonder or maybe made some assumptions it's not because we're looking at this building and we say oh the fellowship center we like that a lot better um to your point we just decided in our hierarchy of values that we want the church to gather together that we really think that's just critical for our health and identity and purpose and unity that as a gathered people, we gather in one spot, and functionally, we just we can't gather on the sanctuaries. We don't yeah. fit. But at the same time, you know, we see it every Sunday too. Thinking we want to use this. It's a it's a beautiful building, and we've recently redone lighting in it, and we're working on some things in there right now just to make it better and better. And it's a uh, it's a tool we want to use. And like you said, I do like singing in there better. You know, if I'm if I'm sitting on the front row. And people are singing. I can hear it all around us. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. And so this is going to give an opportunity for us to really make good good use of that space moving forward. So I think it's, I think it's a plus. I think it's going to be I think it'll be super positive. Yeah, I think we've heard good things about it. So that's the second Sunday night in September. So it'll be after Labor Day. We'll start every week five o'clock Sunday yeah. night worship. Every week we've got some good teaching series that'll be coming up. Um, just some good things we'll be able to do together. We'll be able to take Lord's Supper in a real you know personal meaningful way. You'll be able to hear testimonies from people. We'll be able to speak to some of our missionaries live, um, just be able to really pray in meaningful ways. And, and I think it's going to really, I think it'll really build the core of the church up, build us from, let me, let me say it this way, not the core in terms of people. It'll build us from the core. It'll build us from the center up um, and make us stronger. Yep, I agree too. All right, well, that's all I got today. Okay, so here's what you can do to make this podcast better. You can email us. Email us feedback, email us questions, podcast, singular, at calvarydothan.com. Podcast at calvarydothan.com. So if you have some questions, maybe from a sermon, you know, we've talked about some provocative issues. We've talked about women in ministry. We've talked about elders. Elders. We've talked about deacons. We've talked about slavery. We've talked about human trafficking. Uh, This week we'll be talking about love of money and contentment. And so. If you've got some questions about something you hear or you'd like to hear some more about something, let us know. And also in, in, in some coming weeks, we're going to talk about some things we're, we're reading and that we recommend for people to read, why that's valuable for them. So um, got a lot of topics we want to hit in the next right. several weeks.